We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. Brought to you by Red Voice Media. Check us out at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason or redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored to see the second hour of the broadcast. Okay, so what are we going to be talking about today? To Dizzy. Emergency over. Yeah. Only three plus years later, really probably three years after the entire country was encompassed by the COVID-1984 nightmare. Joe Biden has been forced to sign the declaration that it's over, Jack. You take that to the bank. It's a fact, Corn Pop. You got that? He ain't kidding. So the guy that doesn't run anything and that can barely speak has now finally come out and said, you know what? Uh, I've been forced into it, passed through the Senate. Emergency over. What does that mean? I don't know if it means anything. You know, people were asking me yesterday, does that mean that the emergency use authorization is over? I'm not sure. Does that mean that certain big pharma companies are now going to be susceptible to lawsuits after the fact? Probably not. It's not like the narrative has changed and their great narrative pushes forward quicker and quicker and quicker every day. Okay. That that's the reality we have to deal with. We also have to deal with the reality that the guy they tell us is the president of the United States runs nothing, N not a thing, zero zip zilch makes no decisions whatsoever. And in that sense, I really am sympathetic to those that talk about this being uh, Obama's third term. It's not that I believe that because I don't. I think in large part, the Barack star also was a puppet given a set of directives and talking points 
that he then articulated, obviously, a lot better than Zombie J because he wasn't a dementia-ridden establishment old man. Okay, He was an up-and-coming, social-climbing, malleable, groomed puppet. All right? and, and don't get me wrong, Joe Biden, as malleable as they get and as puppeted as they get, but visually he can't speak. We're going to show you that again. He, he gets asked by Al Roker um, whether or not he's going to be running in 2024. And, and, and by the way, I want to throw up. When I see somebody like Al Roker fawning over Joe Biden, ew. And it's not like I don't understand that Al Roker is just a TV personality, but the way that the media not only refuses, refuses to acknowledge that there's a zombie in office, okay, and he doesn't run anything, is repulsive and disgusting. And we got a clip of Karine Jean-Pierre, Karine Jean-Pierre, being asked, hey, uh, why doesn't Biden do press conferences? We're, we're now midway through 2023. How many press conferences has this guy done? Four? Maybe five? I mean, we're not even, we're not talking one a quarter here. Like a fiscal quarter, like... Like if you invest in a company, okay, you're on the stock market and you're a shareholder, okay, every quarter there's a shareholders meeting where someone gets up there, tells you as a representative of that company, like the president would be a representative of this country and, and, and gives you a little, hey, this is how we're doing. This is the profiteering. Let's take some questions. Oh, do we get that? No. No, no, no. Instead, we get a press that is bewildered. Why? Why doesn't he do press conferences? Because he can't stay awake. It's obvious. He doesn't run anything. And, you know, I'm sure when the Democratic establishment and the quote-unquote elites, really the predator class, were getting their individuals ready for fortifying the election. Those people at the, the mid and low levels, and, and a lot of those people, millionaires, some of them billionaires, are, are were told this was going to be Obama's third term. Oh, don't worry, the, the Barack star is going to take care of things behind the scenes. But what that really meant was those around the Barack star and that administration would then be directing policy via the empty vessel that is Joe Biggity Biden. And, you know, I don't know what they were thinking with uh, Cackle Monster Harris there, the, the, the Kamala Monster, other than we're hitting the boxes. Woman of color, who was the first vice president. We can't get a woman in president. We'll, we'll put her in there. One of the most unimpressive people I've ever seen on television. Not uh, particularly charismatic or intelligent or attractive. You know, uh, there's a lot to be said about your personality that makes you more attractive. 
I, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, I mean, I think that it's worked in my life. I don't think that, you know, I'm the best looking guy. I don't think I'm the worst looking guy in the world, but I think my personality takes me a little bit further. The ability to have a conversation and relate to people in, in a numerous social situations. Can you imagine being stuck with the cackle monster? Oh my God, what a nightmare. Like, yuck. So we're going to go over Biden a bit. I can't help myself. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Trumpsky and Hutch. We're also going to get into the, the Bud Light scandal only because I don't think people realize how devastating this is going to be. And it is for liquor distributors and beer distributors. And not so much liquor, although Anheuser-Busch has certainly gotten outside of the beer game. But for those that aren't in the business, all right, I'm going to let everybody on a little secret. As a guy that ran a bar for years, the number one seller, always, without question, with, I mean, without question, the number one seller in a college town is Bud Light. It's not even close. Like on a busy weekend, I mean, let, me, let me break it down for you. I had 24 on tap, max capacity of, I think, about 165, maybe 175 people, a staff of at least 10 or, or more when you have the place packed and you're doing stuff. On a busy weekend, just a normal busy weekend, you go through like three to five kegs of Bud Light. Easy. There's there's not another beer that is even in the range of that. The only thing I can think of as close was actually Blue Moon, um, which I believe is now owned by Anheuser-Busch, but I could be wrong because I did see that, what was it, Miller Light versus Coors Light. So they could be on the other side of the spectrum. They want to be. So let's say that I am a uh, concerned citizen, if you will, okay? And I didn't like what I saw. And I own the bar. And I'm just saying, you know what? Forget, we're not carrying Bud Light. That's huge. But then I say, you know what? We're not carrying as many, if any, Bud Light products. Now, Bud Light has even tried to get in the seltzer game. White Claw, what's the other one there? There's some other crap. I, I don't know. I don't drink them. They, they remind me of Zima spritzers, right? I don't want them. They're not mine. I got. I luckily got out of the bar business just as those were becoming popular, so I never had to order them. But that's another one of these things that is taken off the table. So I'm sitting there and thinking, man, if I don't like this guy and my Anheuser-Busch rep comes in, you know, there are a lot of people. Usually I would go with what would make me deals. Like if I bought a certain amount of kegs, can you knock 10% off of this or 20% off of that? What promotions do you have? That sort of thing. But you're going to be devastating, devastating to the distributors, especially um, in the heartland. And of course, why, why would anything work the way it's supposed to? Why would desktop four just not come up? Let's see if we can do that. See, that's not the one we want. What in the world? Okay. That's, that's going to be an issue. That is going to be an issue. So this, so just out of nowhere, my monitor that's sitting right here doesn't want to want to come up. Let's, let's see if we can just add the source. No, 
That is, oh boy, this is going to bother me. Is it, can I just refresh it? Nothing. Oh, it's going to be one of those days. One of those days. You know what? We'll just put this over here then. We got fixes when we're live. But that doesn't look as good. That actually looks terrible because I have that scrunched up. Let's bring it back to that. Okay, now now we're good in the hood. We've got it. I, I don't understand what happened there, um, but I don't like it. I don't like it. How did that happen? My monitor's sitting right there. Just didn't want to read it. Great. Awesome. Bud Light sales plunge as distributors in the heartland and the south are spooked by Dylan Mulvaney backlash as Anheuser-Busch rep fears he won't be able to feed his family. That's real. Can you imagine you go on your route, all right, and um, basically it was once uh, once a week I would get the uh, I'd get the distributor coming in. I'd usually have the distributor come in on uh, Monday through Wednesday getting ready for the weekend, seeing what I needed. I could always give them a call. Uh, I think two days afterwards, I'd get delivery. So, so yeah, usually Monday, Tuesday, actually. So I'd get the delivery on Thursday. <sighs> you got 10, you got 20 stops in a day. And three quarters of those people are saying, you know what? No, thanks. We're good. We're going with something different. And uh, I'm just going to show you this gentleman here. Who has had his life turned upside down he didn't know that his company was going to go full-on ridiculous he had no clue well guess what he knows now um i work for an affiliate company i am a merchandiser and the sole product of the company i work for is anheuser-busch products so with all this canceling going on um there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in these past few days uh, on these products. And it's, it's sad because when people don't buy this beer, I don't make money, and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele. So it's uh, kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon. He looks real happy. Hmm? At least he's telling it like it is. And that's how it is. All right? He's, think about that. They, the thing is they knew their clientele. They knew damn what. This whole push is not natural. It is unnatural. It's a scam. It's gaslighting on the next level. They've pushed it to the limit of where they can have visual acceptance. But we live in a post-truth world, so they don't give a mother truck. They don't. What did we talk about this week? We talked about the fact that we have stadium, stadiums of people saying F Joe Biden with a let's go Brandon. And the only reason we have a let's go Brandon in the first place is because we had a media muppeteer enshrine that phrase as a parallel 
to F Joe Biden because hundreds, if not thousands of people at a race were chanting F Joe Biden. So she's interviewing a guy named Brandon and she acts like it's let's go Brandon. And now it's become a cultural phenomenon all over to the point where you have small children at wrestling meets. Okay, small children at wrestling meets saying, let's go, Brandon. Okay? And this, there's nothing more disgusting than the willful manipulation of youth. This is disappointed at Adidas wrestling. So I, I want to put it to you like this. First of all, I'm not about indoctrinating youth politically in any way, shape, or form. I want them to form their own opinions. I don't necessarily think that this is a good or a bad thing that we're about to watch. But again, it's going to speak to the reality we all live under. And the reality is that all of those kids that you're about to watch that are chanting, let's go, Brandon, with their coach, have parents, all of them. In fact, they have two parents. That doesn't mean they're around. I'm just talking biology. I know we're not supposed to do that. Takes a man and a woman, make a baby. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. There's some dicka dicka do, and you can get yourself a surrogate, or chances are, if, if there's one of those kids, great, whatever. These kids have parents. Their parents aren't outraged. Their parents seem to go along with it. Their parents seem to encourage it. So again, when have we been on a level where the youth and their parents are openly in unison, in mass, decrying the puppet in chief? I've never lived through it. Never once. And we're not talking about anti-war events. We're not talking about protests. Okay, we're not talking about things in a political arena. We're talking about everyday mother trucking life everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, it's, it's not unique to Florida. It's not unique to Iowa or the Midwest. It's the entire country. And we were gaslit and force-fed this narrative that what? Joe Biden is the most popular president of all time with 81 million valid votes. Don't question it. Don't say, I don't believe it. Don't say that you have evidence to the contrary. You'll get kicked off. You're out of here. Misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, the boogeyman. Meanwhile, we're going to show you this clip. We got Kirby up there talking about these new leaks that are out there involving uh, the Ukraine conflict. And I don't, I, it's not a conflict. They're trying to start World War Mother Truck in three. And he's warning newspapers not to report on it. That it has no place in media. You want to report 
on global affairs and people being killed, geopolitics and global conflict. Not today, sailor. It's against national security. Well, the, the documents are already out in the public arena. They've already leaked. We don't care. This is the first time in modern history where there is literally zero press corps embedded on the ground during this conflict at all. At all. That's not normal. It's not normal that you have a puppet in chief that doesn't have press conferences. It's not normal. It's not okay. I want to make that extremely clear. Not normal, not okay. That's it. There is no question about it. And yet every day, you're encouraged to believe that it is normal, that it is okay. It's not. I'll say it again. It's not okay. So oh, I keep doing that. Now, since we're missing that, we're just going to come back to it. So here, watch it. This is it. Again, this is the uh, Adidas uh, Nationals Team Championship. These are kids. They, they look like, you know, they're 10 or 11-year-olds max. Look more like 7 and 8-year-olds. Okay, it's, I guess it's uh, pretty evident. But here they are. I mean, I mean, again, here's a crowd of people. Most of them are the parents, parents on the side, and a bunch of kids. Nobody seems to, to protest what's going on here. Again, can anyone name me a time in history where this has happened? Where, where it's, it, I mean, this is the opposite of when I watch, and I watch a lot of World War II stuff. And I know that the narrative from the mainstream and the left is that Trump is the new Hitler. He's got a Hitler-type persona. He's the new Hitler. He doesn't dress up, okay, in, in a play outfit, okay? He doesn't wear an armband or have a, a military cap on. Is he perfect? No, no. He certainly wraps himself in that American flag a lot too, whereas to me, some of that's questionable. I, I, I Listen, I like, look at my look at my color scheme, red, white, and blue. I love the good old U.S. of A. I'm a, I'm a believer in what the flag is supposed to stand for. If you put me up against a wall and forced me into a political position as to where I identify, where do I identify? I identify as what? As a constitutionalist. I believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Why? They are the perfectly imperfect documents that guarantee individual rights beyond the collective that protect the little guy in theory. And that's why the Constitution is still, in my opinion, the most important document that we can show and that we can use as a relative moral compass as to where we really are as a country or a society. And we're so far driven away from what was in that document. It's absurd. It's obscene. 
And what do I mean by perfectly imperfect? Well, a lot of people, you know, especially in, in the mainstream and on the left, they're going to come at you with that talking point. These guys were slave masters. They were rich, white, aristocratic men. 100% totally imperfect. That's why it's the perfectly imperfect document. But some of those guys were wise enough to understand that that wasn't the future. All right. Some of those guys realized that they needed a means as to get rid of this idea that there was a outward caste system. Okay. And that's why you had amendments to the Constitution. That's what it was, 100%. And when you get to the point where you have women's suffrage and them voting, when you no longer have slavery, okay, when, when all of that's gone, all of a sudden you have a pretty damn great document. Again, not perfect, right? We still have to have the civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s. And by no means were the 70s or the 80s perfect. But I got to tell you, as a child of the 80s, I visually saw and felt racism start to decline. Visually. And any honest person that's in my age range or older will tell you the same damn thing. But in 2020, what's the mantra? White supremacy has taken over. That's what the Trump administration, it was white supremacy. There are bigots everywhere. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a total stranger, and, I, and I've had plenty of those, before the fifth anniversary of 9-11 in the Los Angeles Convention Center, okay? And th this was the event that got picked up by C-SPAN. You can actually watch me at the end of the event talking about coming to um, New York City on the fifth anniversary of 9-11 to protest how this was our last chance, and we failed. We didn't fail to get, you know, thousands, if not over 10,000 people there. We did that. We gave away thousands of DVDs, thousands of t-shirts. We did that. Media ignored us even then. Fake news, you bet. Tried to marginalize us and demonize us. But the, the conversation I had with this gentleman was one in which at first he was dismissive of a, a couple of guys that were talking to him about 9-11 and the Pentagon in particular. And so they brought me in knowing that I was a decent conversationalist. I knew my facts. And I start having a conversation with this guy. And we're going back and forth. And he goes, do you think there's anything in this country that's gotten better? And this guy at that time, you know, I'm 26 years old, 27. This is a while back, guys. I mean, we're we're 20 plus years deep on 9-11. It's crazy, right? And I looked at him, and it, and it was a black gentleman, by the way, uh, probably a little, probably like in his 40s, maybe even early 50s at the time. You know, I, I looked decent shape. You know, I have no idea what he did for a living, anything like that. His background, just knew he was in the LA Convention Center. And I looked at him, and I said, "Yeah." I go, 
I feel like race relations and racism has gotten way better in my lifetime. And he goes, I'll agree with that. I, I, I believe that too. And it was one of those moments where he realized, hey, this guy is not just bringing up everything that's negative. He can see things that have happened positive in society. And maybe now he'll take a look at my information. Maybe he'll watch my film. Maybe he'll be more receptive to challenging the norms that are set via the mainstream media Muppeteers. It was a powerful conversation and one I'll probably always remember, okay? And all of that seemed to be washed away somehow. And that's not to say that there aren't Nazis, there aren't skinheads, there aren't racists, there aren't bigots, there aren't anti-Semites. There are. They're out there. To say that they have a prominent or prevailing voice in this society or a dominant voice is ridiculous. In fact, it's cartoon level and just not real at all. Just it's not real. If it were real, we would acknowledge it. Unfortunately, not real. Not, not unfortunately. I'm, I, I'm glad that I don't live in a country run, run by like racial motivation. That'd be bad. Like, I, I think about these things and how the detractors throw people under the bus and everything's white supremacy. And, and luckily, you know, I only get that sparsely from anonymous losers on Twitter when I make a post that somehow is interpreted as like pro-Trump. And, and again, my feed is not pro-Trump. But when reality is reality and he gets a positive post, you get white supremacy, bigot, right wing Nazis. In fact, I uh, <laughs> I saw somebody just in my comment section uh, on YouTube on my video yesterday trying to say, you know, I love how you say you're not left or right, yet you expose the left's agenda the entire time and the LGBTQ plus A. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a left wing agenda. That is a transhumanist, globalist agenda. That's what it is. From both sides, buddy. It's not just the left we talk. In fact, people also ch chimed in yesterday and, you know, probably without watching the video and said, you know, before you attack Justice Clarence Thomas, look at his voting record. I don't think I attacked Thomas yesterday. I think I told it like it was, right? I told you that there is a right wing Republican establishment, all right, and the vast majority of that establishment goes to the Bohemian Grove, makes real decisions, all right. It is a place where policy is set. I didn't give any specifics as to policy that was set with Clarence Thomas there because I don't know that, but everything else I stated was a fact, like the Manhattan Project being birthed out of there, like the fact that Eisenhower gave his first big speech for that establishment before running for the for the president of the United States there. All right? It's a place of great influence. But you're always going to have haters. You're always going to have detractors. You just got to keep pushing through and pushing on. So, well, I keep doing it because I'm so used to it. Biden signs bill to terminate the national COVID emergency after three years. 
president moves closer to ending the final pandemic restrictions by signing Republican-backed legislation. Well, it's about damn time. So it's hereby terminated. Remember, declared on March 13th, we're talking 37 months. So it went from two weeks, two weeks to flatten the curve, to slow the spread, to 36 months. I say weeks before, 36 months. Not be 37 months. Man, I can't do math. 37 months. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm going, that's not right. 30, 37 months. <laughs> Two weeks to 37 months. Two weeks to 37 months. With a whole bunch of hate and lies in between. I'm going to show you some of those hate and lies in a moment. In fact, you know what? Let's jump to this story really quick. I don't want to get thrown out. I don't want to be in trouble for medical misinformation. But Mr. Crosby here, and, and look, I'm a Crosby, Stills, and Nash guy. I like it. I may not share the same politics as Mr. Crosby, but I enjoyed his music over the years. He's an interesting person to follow. Now, apparently, he this guy was fine earlier in the day. He actually um, did... Uh, did a, a sound check, he was practicing, and then he went home and he fell asleep and it was over, okay? Now, what I want everybody to see, and this was the second time that he'd gotten it, is this. So far, people are fine after the you-know-whats. I am, my family is, and every single person I know that has taken it is fine. This is one year ago, Today, to die. One year ago, today, to die. Now, he passed in January. Okay. So, about, uh, what about eight months after that? After he got what? Oh, but I thought the old boopity bippity boppity boop stopped hospitalization and death. That's the narrative they ran with, okay? So you ask yourself, I'm not drawing, I'm not breaking out my jump to conclusions, Matt, here. But this is part of the hysteria and the reality that we all just lived under that just got signed off on. You know, again, again, it didn't matter that Joe Biden was at a car show almost a year ago now because time be flying, just be moving forward where he sat there and he's looking around. He's like, oh, it's over. And then, and then, hey, he doesn't throw press conferences. So nobody gets to ask him about it. They ask Kareem Jean-Pierre, not even at a press conference, but the mainstream media Muppet establishment. She's like, listen, easy. There were, there were a lot of pretty cars there. The president was distracted because, you know, pretty cars make the leader of the free world just say the darndest things. It's like we're watching a, a, a Cosby 90s uh, television show. Kids say, Joe says the darndest things. That's, and, and I'm going to show you, he gets asked about running for president by Roker 
2024, he starts talking about eggs rolling as he babbles because he doesn't know what's going on. And I'm sorry if I'm getting a little furious and excited. It's absolutely insane and ludicrous that we're living through this. But we're living through it, okay? Meanwhile, you know, I'm going to play Easter Bunny footage. I kept doing it. Easter Bunny footage from last year. And here they are at the White House this year. Yeah! There's Hunter. There's Joe. Yeah, looking really stellar, Joe. Looking stellar. And, you know, this, there they are. Oh, here, here. This time, the Easter Bunny, I, I think it was the one on the in the uh, yellow there. They must have the same outfit for every year. That's the one that just stops Joe in the middle of a conversation last year and shows him who's boss. The Easter Bunny's the boss. That's who the boss is. So uh, without further ado, I want to play this clip of Karine Jean-Pierre talking about why Joe Biden doesn't take press conferences. And the lack of press conference that we see in general from this White House. I represent a news organization that owns 113 television stations. And a question that I'm often asked, and I don't know the answer to, so I'll ask you that question. Uh, is the administration trying to protect the president from our questions? Uh, please, I answer Absolutely that Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So why is the lack of any interaction in a formal setting to have a press conference? Uh, I mean, the president takes shouted questions. I, I understand, John. I understand. I understand. I've dealt with this question about three times already. I understand. It is, it is. The president takes shouted questions. That totally makes sense. Uh, hey, what are you talking The president takes shouted questions. Like when he gets asked about OPEC and he goes, eh, it's not going to be as bad as you think. That's an answer. That's a press conference. He takes shouted questions. And this guy's like, you know, I'm part of a news organization. We got 100 plus channels. People are wondering why the president doesn't give press conferences, why he's completely unaccountable. And the press fawns over, over him anyway, never asks real questions. And when Listen, and this isn't a shit on Peter Ducey, but when Peter Ducey is the best you got, in the White House press room, not so great. Not so great. Let's go back to Corrine Jean-Pierre talking about how Biden doesn't need to give press conferences. It is uh, the job of you all to ask this question to me. Totally get that. And that's not a problem at all. Oh, it's not a, it's not a problem? They're asking you why the president doesn't answer questions? Oh, I've gotten it asked many times. That's very bizarre. Many times you've been asked this and you think it's normal. It's not normal. By the way, 400 people watching over on YouTube. Can we get 200 thumbs up? Can we get the likes over on Rumble? And guys, I need you now more than ever. If you enjoy this broadcast and you want to support it, please consider going to redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, signing up. For that second hour, only a buck for the first week, $10 a month, or do me a big favor, lock it in for the year at $100, and I promise you that we are going to continue to give you the, the top notch in internet broadcasting. You know, again, this is a network that's growing, uh, that's looking at an 11, 12-hour cycle at least four days a week, and then uh, we got some big things coming up on the fifth day. 
new studio in the works, not here. Obviously, I've got my new studio going on a little bit of a little bit of a, a light issue with me today. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this camera sometimes gives me a little fit. It looks so good for a webcam that I, I love using it. But at the same time, I hate messing with it more than once. And uh, we're going to have to figure that out, too. Let's continue with Jean Carine Pierre. Jean Carine Pierre. Um, but certainly, uh, the president many times has has stand has stood in front of all of you, has taken questions uh, on his own because. Oh wow! Because that's what he does. No, it hasn't been many times. Look again, love or hate Trump, he would sit there for an hour plus and take questions from everybody, an hour plus. All the time. It, if not on a weekly basis, if Trump went two weeks without a press conference, that was huge. I mean, the guy was constantly on tour as president. All right. Basically, in, in a victory run and run up to his 2020 run. The guy spoke all the time. Again, love him or hate him. He took the questions. He wanted uh, to see what was all on your minds. He wanted to see what the questions you all were going to ask him. And he wanted to answer them directly. That has happened multiple times, many times. Multiple times is not many times. Multiple is more than one. Many is a bald-faced lie. It's the inversion of reality, which we get more and more and more of. Uh, during this administration, and that will certainly continue uh, to be. When it comes to a formal press conference, I don't have anything to share it with you at this time. Just one last thing. Yeah, just sure. To button up. You recognize that as it relates to prior administrations, uh, the president's predecessor, uh, President yeah. Obama, President George W. Bush, uh, I've been here long enough to have covered President Bill Clinton. This is not the norm. The norm is we do get an opportunity to ask the questions to the president about domestic and foreign policy issues in a formal setting at some point. Uh, and you choose that point, but we haven't had that opportunity in quite some time. So I'll say this, it is also unprecedented that a president takes as many shouted questions as this president has. Bullshit! That's also not true. It is not unprecedented that a president takes so many shouted questions. Now, again, totally and completely untrue. Think about yesterday's broadcast. Bill Clinton, not in office at the time. Okay. That guy shouts out something about frogs and then the Bohemian Grove. He took those questions, not even as the president. Presidents and political officials often take shouted questions that they retort to. That is the norm. This woman, I mean, look, she looks at her feet while he grills her on this and says, this isn't normal. Stop acting like it's normal. And this, this very unimpressive woman has her talking points. Again, they're all so unimpressive. That it is normal. And you have to believe me because I'm a woman of color who likes other women and is in a pink pantsuit. I'm the authority here. I create the Carl Rovian reality that I would like. It's the same playbook. Yes, and he no, has. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly get the data and share that with all of you. I hear John. Yeah. I hear your question. I heard Zeke's question. I hear you. 
I hear you on the press conference on a formal press press conference. We get this probably every couple of months when you guys ask us about a formal press conference. I don't have anything to share with all of you at this time. Think about what you just said there. We get this question every couple of months. Yeah, you do. Because it shouldn't be two months before a president gives a press conference. It shouldn't be three months. Shouldn't be four. Can anyone tell me? When the last time was that he took an actual question and answer press conference? Does anyone want to look that up? Like, I'll come to think of it, you know, how many times you, you, we're probably going back three to six months where he's at like a construction site babbling, not taking questions. It's probably a month or two out from when he was in the New York City subway talking and not taking questions. I can't remember the last time the guy had a formal press conference. I can't. How long has it been? Is it is it before or after last year's Easter Buddy incident? Yeah. Oh man, see, so it gets. I, I want to see him stumble out of there a little bit longer. I mean, does this look like a guy that's running the country? Oh, the Easter Bunny's here. Oh, oh, hey, hey, Joe, stop! <laughs> Whatever you're doing, huh? Okay. Ooh, oh, that's the guy they tell you is running the country. He's the dude. That's the man right there. And here's Al Roker fawning over Joe Biden as he can't talk, as he can't speak, talking about rolling eggs. Are you saying that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be rolling an egg or you know, being the, the, good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on. I'll either be rolling the egg or the guy that's pushing him out. In no way, shape, or form does that answer pertain to anything Al Roker said. Now, does Al Roker follow up with a, what the hell did you just say to me? What are you talking about rolling eggs? Are you not well? Mr. President, none of it, because we're in the post-truth world. We're in a cartoon verse where a, a, a jolly TV personality is asking the zombie puppet in chief that doesn't take real questions from real journalists in real press conferences, where he's being encouraged to say whether he's running in 2024. And it's pretty evident to me that the establishment does not want a 2024 Biden. Doesn't mean that they won't eventually, they won't end up running them, which would be a complete and total disaster because they don't have the mail-in ballots that they want, that they're trying to, to codify, you know, to try to bring back. It, it could be a disaster. They, they want a new malleable puppet and it does look like it's going to be Gavin Newsom. We've been talking about this. Doesn't necessarily mean they won't play an audible, but it certainly looks like he's the guy on the national stage. I'm going to roll it back because he actually does, after this, talk about me. Oh, we're in 2024. We're not ready to announce yet. But uh, again, 
rolling eggs and pushing them out. You know, I'm rolling the eggs. I'm pushing them out. Let's bring it back. And by the way, again, a Muppet. Cartoons. Look at the outfit that Al Roker's wearing. Hey, Al! Al, could you wear the black baseball cap with your your uh, your purple tannish suit? I think it's a good look. I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> Are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be so rolling an egg or you know, being the, the good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro- mean, help a brother out. Make no. sure. I mean, help a brother out. Help a brother. He comes in. Help a brother out. Not what? What the hell? You t- you're gonna roll an egg or push it out? Are you well? No, no, no. Come on, tell me about 2024, Joe. Oh uh, no, no, no. I, well, I'm, I plan on running out, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. Well, we're not, I'm planning on running out, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. <laughs> My goodness. Oh boy. Yikes. Want to show a couple more news stories, and then I'm going to play this clip of John Brennan of the CIA, uh, basically talking about the destruction of nation states. Okay, so just to uh, kind of talk about Trump a little bit, we, we try not to make this a show all about Trump. We talked about how these uh, 34 counts in New York City weren't just the Stormy Daniel case; that they were another hush money model case and that they were also involved in this $30,000 hush money payment after claiming the president had fathered a love child. And supposedly this has been discredited. The doorman uh, said he was given no warning. This is supposedly the doorman. I don't know whether he was shaking Trump down or what happened there. He was, I I don't know the details, but he didn't know that he was going to be part of this latest fiasco and if you believe the hype i don't know that it's hype three more legal bombshells loom for donald trump over the next few weeks hunter biden's sugar brother attorney claims in text so he does he know something we don't yeah of course he does he well he knows that these people are as dirty as it gets and he knows that This is a coordinated effort to bring as many charges as possible in order to stop the guy from running for president. Because in the establishment's mind, there isn't anybody that has the momentum of Trump out there that will challenge the establishment on any level. Let's be honest, any of the other Republican front runners that they're going to put out there are going to be as establishment as it gets, period. They're not going to back a Rand Paul. They're not going to back a Thomas Massey. That's just not going to happen. And, and with DeSantis, I don't trust DeSantis. Everybody talks about how open Florida was. There were certain parts that were not that open, folks. Again, I I, I went there. I, I remember standing in a uh, Panda Express with half the people uh, still wearing masks and uh, the stickers still on the floor and the keep the social distance and the workers. Now, it wasn't everywhere. 
The more you went to privatized businesses, the less restrictions there were. But there were also, uh, you know, again, restrictions on how uh, people would be treated in hospitals, which is no bueno. So let's let's see here. What do we got? I had a couple other ones right here that I wanted to go over for him. Maybe we'll save some of these um, for the other side. Fewer hours. Let's see, White House admits. Uh, let, let's play this one here before we uh, head over to the other side. Now, on the other other side of this, we got Epstein news, by the way. Uh, we got some Dalai Lama stuff I want to talk about. But I want to talk about Kirby and these documents. We don't know if the Pentagon leak is contained in Warren's press not to report on classified files. The files have no business in newspapers or TV after massive breach. Bullshit. It's exactly where they belong. Now, will you see this on the nightly news? Will you see this on CNN or MSNBC or ABC or NBC News? No. No, you won't. You know why? Because we don't really have a fourth estate anymore. Freedom of speech and the freedom of the press was that extra check in the checks and balances of what these people knew was an overtly corrupt system. So I talked about Brennan, but we'll play Brennan on the other side. Okay, I want to play John Kirby talking about this stuff. Because again, uh, we're in Cartoon Town, where this guy is just going to tell you, "Don't do your job." Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks, uh, John. If you can start on the uh, the classified document leaks, um, has the president been briefed on this breach, and does the U.S. government at this point have any sense of who was behind it? So, again, this is even a bootlicker question. Total boot doesn't. Discuss what's in the documents, not their political significance, not their significance in global affairs, not the significance that we're now involved in a conflict that we have no exit strategy from other than the overthrow of a first world nuclear power leader in Putin. And if that's your exit strategy, you ain't got one, Jack. You can take that to the bank. You can roll an egg with it or push it out. Whatever you want to do, Biden style. The, the press is shameful. It's shameful. The president has been briefed. He was uh, first briefed late last week uh, when uh, when we all got word that uh, there were some documents out there, uh, and he has been stayed uh, briefed and in contact with national security officials uh, throughout the weekend. So he has been briefed. And as for the source, as you know, the Department of Defense has referred this to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation. And I certainly would refer you to them, but I'm not aware that they've come to any conclusions at this point about where they're coming from. And just to follow up on that, um, at this point, do you believe the leak is contained? Are there more documents out there that have not been released publicly? Is this an ongoing threat? We don't know. We truly, don't. truly don't. We don't know. Just keep it out of the newspapers. Moving to uh, the tensions between China and Taiwan, we know the president can pick up the phone anytime and call President Xi. We've been told that this call is coming for months. Why hasn't he just picked up the phone and called President Xi to say, knock it off? The president looks forward to having an 
another conversation with President Xi. Um, and we'll do that at the appropriate time, and we'll certainly keep you apprised of that. Uh, it's important that those lines of communication stay open. Um, uh, the tensions are certainly high uh, right now. Uh, we like to see this relationship get onto a better footing. Uh, and when it's appropriate for the two leaders to talk, then, then that'll happen. I want Joe Biden isn't a leader. And President Xi doesn't take him seriously. That, that guy, again, love him or hate him, is somebody who is on the global stage in the global arena that now has some pull. And according to Klaus House, what? That's the model. They're the leader in the next century. He couldn't give one iota about Joe Biden and what he thinks about Taiwan. You think President Xi thinks that Joe Biden runs anything at all? Like, you know, I don't know if he speaks English, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when that guy gets briefed, he's briefed at the utter incompetence of the guy that we put forward as our leader, period. And that's a fact, Jack, and you could take that to the bank. Let's let's continue on because this uh, uh, this goes on for another uh, five or six minutes. And again, he he's told he he's, he tells people to keep this stuff out of newspapers during this very uh, short presser here. I stress that said that we are and have been able to maintain lines of communication between our two countries even throughout all these tensions. And in fact, we're still working to get Secretary Blinken back on a plane over to Beijing, as he was planning to do uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, and we're in talks with the PRC about potential visits of uh, Secretary Yellen and Secretary Raimondo at their invitation, by the way, to talk about economic issues. And while it's not popular, would the president ever speak directly to President Tsai? I mean, would, would there be a conversation there, perhaps? What is his take on this meeting between House Speaker McCarthy and President Tsai? Not uncommon for uh, presidents of Taiwan to transit the United States, uh, as President Tsai did. Uh, it's also not uncommon for uh, Taiwan officials, certainly at the president level, to meet with members of Congress, as uh, President Tsai did. This is uh, it's very typical. There's, again, no reason for any overreaction here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hello, Admiral um, Kavir. Uh, still in Taiwan, um, what, what, how does the U.S. see the latest Chinese military exercises, uh, and is the U.S. confident that Taiwan and help from the U.S. could continue to deter China from a military, you know, solution as they would see it, because what they've been, you know, that saber rattling we call it was a lot more than sabers. And you know, one of the reasons that we're playing this, and you know, it doesn't have to do with the leaked documents, is this is a setup for a global conflict. We do not want to get in a military conflict with China over Taiwan. I'm sorry, we don't at all. Not even a little bit. And I just don't think that the average citizen can comprehend what an actual war with China might look like. When you have four times, three to four times, the total population of the United States, which is a pretty large nation state in the first place, and you have a first world military, all right, you have a first world society that's in space and that has submarines, 
All bets are off, man. All bets are off. And, and you know, I stay up a lot and I watch a lot of World War II stuff. And I, I, can, I can't comprehend that stuff coming over here. That's how devastating it is. Thumbs it up. Subscribe and share. Remember, I am a documentary filmmaker. Loose Change Final Cut. Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, and New World Order Defined. And Shade the Motion Picture are free right here, right now. Red Voice Media, you can find it. Rumble, you can find it. Rockfin, you can find it. And even on the YouTube playlist, you can find it. We're about to go over to the premium end of the broadcast. I want to remind everybody you can listen live for free over at the infowarrior.podbean.com. But come on over. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, uncensored, a dollar for the first week, a hundred dollars for the year, or just pay 10 bucks a month. You get me and a bunch of other great creators on an expanding network that is trying to take on not only the cult of the mainstream media, but the cult of the quote unquote alternative right media, the big conservative media that doesn't want to say certain things and challenge certain ideas because you might hurt some feelings or they go outside of what the normal talking points are or they paint the Republicans in a bad light or the conservatives in a bad light. We're about truth here and that's how we roll. So one at a time, we're going to, we're going to let them go. Come on over to the premium end or come listen over on Podbean. And remember, if you go over to my Twitter feed right now, uh, we've got four or five premiums listed that are now available for free because every two weeks we have them go for free anyway. So one at a time, let's let them go. Rockfin, thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you. Really do appreciate you guys. YouTube, you know the drill. Later on Twitter and the Muscaroos. And we will see you later on Rumble. Okay. I think that uh, we should be ready to go. I haven't gotten the text, but usually the text is... uh, is a little late anyway, and last time she just kind of checked through. But there's the text. We're good to go. Let's get some more White House Johnny nonsense. Uh, it's more than rattling at this point. Yeah, so we're monitoring the exercises as closely as uh, I think you, uh, you, you might imagine. Um, they appear to be a reaction to something that didn't need to be reacted to in my previous answer. This is not uncommon for presidents of Taiwan, and this one in particular, to transit the United States. So there was no reason to react in any way, militarily or otherwise. They also reacted uh, rhetorically. I mean, I don't know. I think I might be concerned about it. I mean, call me kooky. Call me kooky. I might be concerned about it. If I was the president of Taiwan and China was saying, Taiwan is mine, and all of a sudden there are military games that are threatening, you know, might be concerned. I don't think that's rhetoric. Come on, give me a break here. Uh, but uh, we're very comfortable and confident that we have in place in the region uh, sufficient resources and capabilities uh, to protect our national security interests in the Indo-Pacific. I would add to your, more specifically to your second question, there's no reason for tensions across the Taiwan Strait 
to devolve into any kind of conflict. Nothing's changed about our one China policy. Nothing's changed about the fact that we don't support Taiwan independence. And nothing's changed about the fact that we don't want to see the status quo change unilaterally and certainly not by force. Well, just, 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 just a quick one, if I might, on uh, Macron's visit to China. Um, how did you react to his comments about, you know, wanting to create a third superpower and so on? Do you, do you wish him luck? Is it just rhetoric? Or is it kind of annoying to the, to the U.S. administration? I'll let the LA, uh, I'll let the LEC speak to President Macron's comments. Uh, uh, we are, again, comfortable and confident uh, in the terrific bilateral relationship we have with France and the relationship that the president has with President Macron and the fact that we're working together on so many different issues. Uh, and the French are stepping up in the Indo-Pacific. I mean, uh, they're conducting naval operations even as you and I are speaking right now. Oh, yes, the French, uh, the French have been uh, pretty dominant militarily over the years again watching a ton of world war ii stuff late, lately and i mean france got run over by the nazis i mean i mean run over by the nazis uh, in, in the Indo-Pacific, all in keeping with a concerted effort by all of us, this vast alliance uh, or network of alliances and partnerships that we have uh, to continue to make sure that we're standing up for stability, security, prosperity, and a free and open Indo-Pacific. Thank you, Kareem, and thank you, Kirby. Um, in light of the classified documents, I wonder if you could tell us when was the last time the um, uh, protocol to grant security clearances was updated or revised in the in the government. And in light of the leaks, does the president believe uh, you should take another look at that? So, so once again, to sit here and act like the documents haven't been available now for almost a week. I think we reported on them last week. Okay. And no one's talking about the contents of them. Everybody's just talking, where's the leaker? What do we do about the leaks? Have we, can you tell us, have we changed the way we're handling these documents? Who gives a mother truck? Let's talk about the meat and potatoes and what's in the documents. What's in the documents? I think uh, the Department of Defense has already uh, started to take a look at distribution, for instance, uh, at, the, at the Pentagon. I'll let them speak to that. I don't know the answer to your question on uh, protocols for who is or who is not uh, granted security clearances. There is already in place and remains in place a very diligent, deliberate effort to manage security clearances. And sometimes uh, we get knocked because it takes a little too long for people's clearances to get approved because the process is, uh, is so careful and, and deliberate. I think to, to your question, I think we just need to be careful right now, speculating or, or guessing what might, behind, what might be behind or who might be behind uh, what looks like uh, a potential leak here of, of classified information. There's no potential about it. Like, <laughs> if they got out to the public, it's not potential. It happened. It's reality. It occurred. In fact, you know, let's let's go up here to the news stories. Okay, uh, you can see. Oh, there you go. I, oh, Jason, you're you're showing the classified document. These are just some of them. Let's, let's see. Oh, Zelensky. There's some more. Okay. 
Here's some more. These are real. It's not a potential leak. It's it happened. Let's talk about the content of these documents and what it means for all of us geopolitically. But no, we got to play the song and dance game with the Pied Piper over here. So I, we're gonna we need to let the process sort of uh, bear itself out. So are you saying there's a question over whether this was a leak by someone who had access to the? I'm machine? saying we don't know, which is why I'm gonna you know I, I think you're getting to remedies, and I understand that. We're only a couple of days into this. We need to let the Department of Justice do their job, investigate this, see what they learn. Now, again, that said, the Department of Defense has already said that they're taking a look at distribution and, and, and looking if, if there's uh, um, if there's changes they need to make um, administratively there at, at the Pentagon, since it appears that uh, they are that they have the, the locus of most of the, the documents. Um, but again, before we start making major muscle movements, we really need to know what we got here uh, and have a better sense from the Justice Department. Thank you. Just, a couple, just a couple of quick uh, follow-ups. Do you have a sense of the number of You have been listening. Oh, you've been listening to Tony Blinken. Ooh, the, the Tony Blinken. And uh, they interrupt them really, again, in, in my mind, uh, at one of the most important, important points, when they say the files have no business in newspaper or TV after massive breach. Come on. Come on. Just let's, let's stop. Let's stop. And really, you have to wonder, as to what's in the documents when the media that is reporting on it is talking about how Ukraine doesn't have the missiles or the air defense systems to keep up the war against Russia. First of all, they've never been winning. You now they acted like, oh, Putin's going to give up. Bullshit. Everything they've told you about this is a lie. You're not going to give up. All right. And they did goad him into this. So now with the idea that they don't have the missiles they need or the defense systems they need, and of course the timing is such where this is occurring in May, about three weeks from now, we need to give them more money. We need to give them more support. We need to consider having troops on the ground. That's where this goes. It goes nowhere good fast. Let me, let me repeat that. Nowhere good fast. And I keep going back to the screen, the ghost screen that's no longer there. So bizarre that that happened. Oh, well, the technical staff ooze. Um, I want to hit these other news stories quick. In fact, maybe we should go all the way here. Uh, this is it right here. So uh, Ford Fisher, independent journalist, I've been lucky enough to interview Ford. He says, remember when the January 6th committee said they'd release all of the evidence and then Kevin McCarthy, similar, said he'd release all of the surveillance footage and then they both simply didn't? Feels like everybody just sort of forgot. I didn't forget, Ford. And that's back in January now. It's almost three months ago. Okay? Time keeps on ticking, 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 ticking into the future. Every day, you don't get to go backwards. It's one shot at the title. Be wary of the decisions you make and the things that you say and the things that you do because there's no taking them back. There's always a road to redemption, but there's a time limit on that because guess what? You're not immortal. You got a lifespan, right? So 
are we going to wait another three days, three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years? Bueller? Bueller? Meanwhile, we wait for another 1,000 people, apparently, to be arrested and charged. And every time I talk about January 6th and the fact that I was there covering it, people are like, you don't want to say that too loud. What are you talking about? There's ain't no shame in my game. I know what I did was right. Well, I covered the news. I didn't let the media gaslight me as to tell me what was going on in D.C. on that day. I wasn't there for a pep rally or to listen to Rudy Giuliani or Eric Trump or Donnie T. I wasn't there for any of that. I was there to observe a massive amount of people, massive amount of people that were displeased with how the election was conducted. Remember that whole red mirage thing on Axios? Maybe I should bring that up. Let's see if we can find that and do it live. The red mirage on Axios and then actually happened. It's beyond words that nobody challenged them on this. And here it is right here. This is, I mean, he warns of a uh, Trump election day landslide in this interview on HBO. Okay. And then says, don't worry, we have sliders. And we're sliding them all around. We're going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's a red mirage. And the Democrats went. So if you didn't buy into that, you were one of the tens of thousands, over 100,000, possibly million people that were in D.C. I wanted to cover it. I wasn't a protester. I didn't do any chants. I I didn't have a Donnie T flag or shirt or anything like that. Okay. I didn't go inside the Capitol. I was standing next to, and this is how you know they're a real journalist, okay? Uh, reporters for probably Getty Images, and I would assume the Associated Press, because they're all masked up. Like, uh, the the few people that weren't trying to hide their face for some reason, and there, there weren't that many people trying to hide their face on January 6th, by the way. I, I question those that were hiding their face. Weird, okay? But those that were, that weren't possible agent provocateurs, informants, actual FBI, Secret Service, law enforcement, etc. They're journalists. Journalists. And they sat there. Are they going to be indicted? Are they going to be arrested? Then why should I worry? Why should I worry? If they dare to do that to me, you only make bigger. You know, if you, you put me in, you know, on... And this isn't a a knock on Joe Biggs, but I ain't Joe Biggs. I ain't no proud boy. Okay. I'm not a white supremacist. You're going to, yeah. And and Joe Biggs isn't a white supremacist either. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but you can't relate me to those people or say that I'm even a sympathizer with those people because a lot of those people have attacked me in the past and have made lies about me as well. And my footage is out there. Been out there since day one. All of it. All of it. And it destroys this narrative of a violent insurrection. But hey, Axios has sliders. This is a Hawkfish CEO, Josh Mendelson. 
letting you know back then, prior to the election, there was going to be a red mirage. It looks like they had a way to fortify it. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. You were going to shake my hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You know when somebody did that to me, like the elbow? I said, get that fucking elbow away from me right now. You shake my hand like a man or you don't. Well, I'm not playing this stupid game. I didn't want to tap your feet. I didn't want to do an elbow bump. I didn't want to do a fist bump. You shake my damn hand. You know, it's probably, I don't know, May or June of 2020. And there's an individual probably about 10 to 20 years older than me, um, probably about 10 years older than me, who used to laugh at me um, when I challenged 9-11 and I talked about those things. He thought it was hilarious. Years later, he would apologize to me. You know, he would he would just, he would straight up say, look, man, you know, I, I didn't realize what was going on. Just want to say I'm sorry. Manned up. So, I saw him, and and to his credit, he wasn't wearing a mask or, or anything. On only on the streets, just uh, there getting ready. And, and when I say May or June, maybe July, but basically his son uh, was coming to Oneana to, to go to school, and he he went to do that to me. I go, bro, you can shake my hand. We know each other. He's like, you're right. He's like, I'm over this stuff too. And I'm like, you need to be. And we just had like a quick conversation, and I was like, look, I'm getting out of here. You know, I'm moving. I need to get, I can't do this. This is, this is insanity. This isn't going anywhere in New York. Sure didn't three years later. And these are the insane people. These are, these are the authoritative sources. Axios on HBO. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks Welcome to Hawkfish. Mike Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> so, so again, this is data analytics for billionaire media mogul and good guy eugenicist club member Michael Bloomberg. Do you remember the train wreck that was Michael Bloomberg at the Democratic primary debates? Awful. Terrible. You know, he tried to act like this I mean, he tried to use his ego to exude his power up there, and no one was buying it. Nobody even, not even close to buying it. So what's the next best thing? You know, fortify the election with hawkfish. According to Hawkfish, an unprecedented 40% of Americans registered voters are expected to vote by mail in the president. So this is setting you up. Okay, Hawkfish is analyzing how the increase will impact the outcome and may create a red mirage. So here they're admitting that the mail-in voting is going to alter the election. And because so many of the smart people, the people that know the orange man is bad and they love Joe Biden, they're going to vote by mail. Because they're smarter than you. That's why Joe Biden couldn't get 50 people at a fucking rally because they were so smart. And Donald Trump literally had thousands of people on an Air Force base or anywhere he went during this. But no, no, the smart people stayed home. 
just it's incredible to me. A mirage, by definition, is something that appears to be there, but that doesn't really exist. That's the White House editor. Uh, <laughs> she, she's the White House editor for HBO. She's the authoritative source, Margaret Tellov. And you have a model scenario called the Red Mirage. What does that mean? The reason we talk about a red mirage is, in fact, because we believe that on election night, we are going to see Donald Trump in a stronger position than the reality actually is. No, no, no. We know that when the actual votes come in, this guy's going to take it in a landslide. So we have to figure out a way to gaslight the public. And the best way to do that is through ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots that we control and cannot be audited. I mean, wow. We are sounding an alarm and saying that this is a very real possibility, that the data is going to show on election night an incredible victory for Donald Trump. That is likely to be what we see when every legitimate vote is tallied and we get to that final day, which will be someday after election day. It will in fact show that what happened on election night was exactly that, a mirage. It looked like Donald Trump was in the lead. And he fundamentally was not. And he, he fundamentally was not. <laughs> the man still gets standing ovations everywhere he goes. There are children screaming a pseudo fuck Joe Biden everywhere. Not just, not just children, just people everywhere. And these... Cocky mother trucking operatives working for billionaires put out false narratives to gaslight your ass. When every ballot it gets counted. You have a result on election night where it appears that Donald Trump has won, but a result after ballots are counted that show that Joe Biden has actually won. That's right. Let's get an obvious question out of the way first. Um, Hawkfish is a company that's started by Michael Bloomberg that does work for the DNC, that's doing work for pro-Biden super PACs. If I'm a Republican voter, an independent voter, a skeptical Democrat, why should I listen to you? One of because this is how we're going to rig it. <laughs> because we're putting, putting this out into the ether so then when it, when it happens, we can say, well, we expected this. People love Joe Biden. They love a zombie puppet that doesn't campaign for office. That's why you should believe it. One of the things that we believe is that facts matter. It's not about um, disinformation or misinformation or using fear as a tactic. There are. So again, the inversion of reality. Let's utilize the talking points that we've created, misinformation, disinformation, Russia, 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 Russia. And we're just going to set up this scenario. We've already built the infrastructure. We've got the Time Magazine fortify the election article on tap where we get to brag after the fact from our dark magic. But here it is. Don't don't worry. Just trust us. Trust the Bloomberg outfit. Our objective truths in this world today. 
And how do you build your modeling? How are you basing your projections? We essentially built a simulator where it's a sequence of sliders and you just pull those sliders to start seeing what the scenarios will show you. What's it gonna look like on election night? What's it gonna look like the day after, and the day after that, and the day after that? In most every year, Democrats are more likely to vote by mail than Republicans, and that has only increased. Uh, again, <laughs> yeah, the, the vote by mail thing was in its infancy, infancy and barely utilized anywhere in the country before the COVID-1984 nightmare, period, at all this cycle. We see in the data that twice as many voters intend to cast a ballot by mail than have ever before. They are disproportionately Joe Biden's supporters. Because there are absolutely some ballots that were mailed in that get counted sooner because folks were proactive and got it in as soon as they possibly could or dropped it off or showed up to uh, a polling station uh, where, where early votes allowed. But it's going to take a while. It might be weeks. It might be weeks. It might be weeks. And I'm sorry, the longer that these things go on, the more dishonest they become. And when you can't get an automatic audit, an automatic audit on at least randomly, I would say 10 to 20% of the machines, of the ballots, of the votes, you, you, you can't prove any of this stuff. And they know that's impossible. Again, the Baker-Carter Commission that decried mail-in ballots also said there should be at least a 3% audit of the machines that they use. And none of that's happened. The idea of utilizing these machines in digital voting is obscene and absurd and anti-democracy. Okay, period. There's no doubt about it. Yet we're gaslit into believing what or told that it's the safest and most secure way to vote. Because absentee ballots inevitably are harder and slower to count, we are going to find ourselves that when you have those prototypical uh, cable news uh, talking head moments of saying, well, you know, here's what we're seeing and this is what it looks like, it's going to show. Donald Trump in the lead in a lot of key places on election night when in-person reporting has occurred. What about California or New so York? California, huge is, California blue is blue. New York okay. is blue, right? Some of the like, but Virginia is a really good example okay. of a state that should be blue that turns out red in this on election night. on election night. Okay. So a state like Pennsylvania, Florida, it's in play by just a couple points, and that's what tips it in one direction or another. If you were to essentially average battleground state polling, Joe Biden appears to be head by So, so again, think about how, how much of a gaslight this is. We played the clip yesterday of Trump in Florida at a UFC event. And again, if you believe that the only people that watch the UFC are Republicans, you're a little slow. The Trump star standing ovation with a let's go Brandon chant led by Jorge Masvidal. But they're telling, again, this guy's still gaslighting you and telling you somehow Florida's purple and it might go for Joe Biden. And we all know about Pennsylvania. We all know about the Fetterman state. And so 
if you have a, a number of ballot challenges in a state like that, as big as it is, as large as the population is, as diverse as the population is, it can make a really big difference over those next 10 days. And so when you start accounting for that in your modeling, you see that 8% lead kind of whittled out a little, a little bit more, a little bit more. We might have the results saying something on the evening of November 3rd that it will not say the evening of November 10th. What difference does it make if um, the results seem to show something on one night and then several days later, the results show something else. Won't the facts just bear themselves out? I think that's the America we all wish we probably lived in. I think you know, we've got the Trump team who's who's quite intelligent and sees what's coming. And so we have the president messaging through through tweets, through what he said at his rallies and his speeches. This notion of any change from that result on election night, he is signaling they will say means fraud. I mean, the smile on their fa this guy's face because he knows the plan. Because as soon as they started effing with what was going on, and all of a sudden it was like, Trump, 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 oh, no votes. And Trump just Biden, woo, woo. They just censored the president. We're not going to allow the president to lie. They censored the president. The only place that you could watch Trump challenge the narrative, essentially, was C-SPAN or Fox News. And I don't like giving clout to Fox News. Shocking, I don't. I know. Look at the glee on, on Hawkfish Man. Has entered the equation. What impact could it have? How could it actually change the outcome? You're then setting up the American presidency for even more failure. Because even if you ultimately get to the end result, which is that Joe Biden would be president of the United States, now you've taken what in politics would be thought of as a bit of a mandate to govern and go in and, and really help clean things up. You, in fact, find yourself in this, this deeply polarized situation where the American electorate, a, a portion of the American electorate, a real portion of the American electorate feels that injustice was done. A real portion of the American electorate. Yeah, no, the majority of the people that can still think for themselves, all right, they're the ones. What can people do to ensure the most accurate results possible in this election. If you want your ballot to count in 2020, you need to request your ballot early, as soon as you possibly can, in a state where that's the procedure. You then need to mail it back as fast as you possibly can. But if you can early vote at a polling station, take your mask, take your hand sanitizer, go and vote at the ballot box and get your sticker. Because you want your vote to be counted. That is what's gonna change from the red mirage and sort of burn off the mirage and get us to where American will is clearly demonstrated in a legitimate and unquestionable way. In 2000, it took 36 days for the election results to be confirmed for George W. Bush and Al Gore. It was the longest delay in modern election history. We never got that here. We didn't get that here, did we? Nope. Nope. We, we had hanging chads and all that other. Nope. Not anymore. Not anymore. All right. I want to go to this clip of John Brennan, basically. And John Brennan, ex-head of the CIA, uh, many credit him with the Russia collusion hoax. Once, once you're the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, you have those connections. You have a, a certain amount 
of power within those scenarios. Okay. And in this one, he he really at the Council on Foreign Relations tells the truth. He saw is talks about the diminishing nature of the nation state. And really what you have are these cabals of individuals that are based in the media, military, industrial complex and providing the resources for the vast majority of us and providing the means of commerce for the vast majority of us. And those are the new power structures that are arising out of the destruction of the nation state and things like national sovereignty. So, so here's Brennan uh, discussing that at the Council on Foreign Relations. Talk to me a bit about um, CIA and its analytical function and how you see the challenge of the next 15 years and how you have to change and adjust to that challenge. The world is becoming more and more challenging. Uh, nation states are under increasing uh, challenge and threat. More and more uh, we see individuals in different quarters of the world who are identifying with subnational groups and organizations. Subnational groups and organizations. And so just the authority of nation states and governments, I think, is being looked at in a different way than it did just 20 years ago. Stakeholder capitalism, anyone? A public-private partnership, anyone? Techno-fascism, anyone? And so this is one of the things that we really have to be able to understand and anticipate and work with foreign governments. Because if you're going to have basically a dissolution of the nation-state structure that we've had for centuries, a dissolution of the nation state structure we've had for centuries. Okay, so this is globalization, what he's talking about. This is a new world order ideal set of order out of chaos. All right, but that new order not be being based in a constitutional republic but instead as part of these cabals that he's alluding to. Like, again, he's talking about the dissolution of the nation state, a.k.a. the end of actual sovereignty. It's really going to be even a more chaotic world. Notice he's right, order out of chaos. Let's bring it back. The world is becoming more and more challenging. Uh, Nation states are under increasing uh, challenge and threat. More and more, uh, we see individuals in different quarters of the world who are identifying with subnational groups and organizations. And so just the authority of nation states and governments, I think, is being looked at in a different way than it did just 20 years ago. And so this is one of the things that we really have to be able to understand and anticipate and work with foreign governments. Because if you're going to have basically a dissolution of the nation state structure that we've had for centuries, it's really going to be even a more chaotic world. On, a, on the analysis, we have to not only help to inform policymakers about those trends and developments worldwide, but analysis for CIA has taken on many more dimensions than it did when I first joined the agency in 1980. At that time, CIA's analytic work was really exclusively uh, limited to the finished all source analytic products that we give right. the president and others. Now, and now. That's just not true either, by the way. Analysis drives so much of our activity. Whether we're talking about collection, whether we're talking about 
uh, different types of operational activities or covert action, that analytic insight, taking full advantage of the intelligence that we get through various means, as well as taking advantage of the increasingly rich open source environment in social media, so that we're better able to inform our activities as well as better inform our policymakers. So analysis is becoming more and more of a driver of so many different elements of CIA's mission. Okay. So let's break down the second half of that. He talks about basically utilizing social media in this track trace database society for analytics. It's not just tracking social media. Eventually it will be the manipulation of social media via what these truth panels basically via these alternative or I'm sorry, these authoritative sources. Oh, only authoritative sources. This is going to get a fact check. This is going to get a warning. This is going to get you banned. Again, Crosby can die of COVID after taking the COVID shots that were supposed to protect your ass from what? Severe illness or death. Didn't do shit for him. Didn't do shit for him. And that mother trucker was out there on social media being manipulated and manipulating others, telling everybody how it was the best thing since breakfast. Line up and take your hate and lies. Roll up the sleeve. And now we got somebody who I think is the front runner for the Democratic Party for this upcoming election in what I can only call a total and complete inversion of reality advertisement that he put out almost a year ago on the 4th of July. Okay. So again, I'm not trying to make this about left to right, but this democratic governor who has the appearance of Christian Bale in American Psycho, literally looks like a movie serial killer, all right, is going to tell you, I'll let, him, I'll let him speak for himself. It's Independence Day, so let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. <laughs> um, No, freedom is under attack if you live in California, and that's why so many people left. That's why so many people left New York, okay? Uh, freedom is under attack by guys like this that are making this commercial. Republican leaders, they're banning books. Making No one's banned any books. That's not real. No one has said adults can't read this book. That's not real. All right? As a society... We agreed very early on that you do not sexualize children at all. And you certainly do not provide pornographic material for children. So when books that show boys in an illustrated manner going down on grown men all right, when those books are in libraries accessible by children, I want them gone. I don't want the author punished. I don't want the book to be taken out of the public arena. And none of those things have happened. None of those things have happened. 
And yet they'll just say they're banning books. That's not real. It's harder to vote. Again, the 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 voter disenfranchisement disenfranchisement. All they want is an ID. You show up with an ID, you vote in person. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. It's like it's the standard. It's the standard, but no, they want fraud. Restricting speech in classrooms. No one's restricted any speech in classrooms. Again, that's not real. That that's not real. Let me give you an example. There has always been a restriction in classrooms of certain types of language. In other words, the teacher doesn't go on a spree of saying, fuck that. All right. They probably don't say cockmaster in class or fuck you. I know we're getting a little a little dicey, but hey, we're on the we're on the uncensored portion of the broadcast, right? There's always been a code of conduct. So at the same time as that, one's personal political beliefs, aside from saying maybe I support this candidate or I'm a Republican or Democrat, maybe a sh short explanation of why, they don't belong in a classroom at all. Not even a little bit. Now, you know, I'll go back in the day. And I remember the first time that I had teachers openly discussing on who they were going to vote for. And really the more intelligent ones, at least when I was a kid, that I heard speaking, were going for Ross Perot, a third party person, because they were they were sick of the system back then. And they felt like that guy was a better representation for them. A lot of people would say that Trump was really Ross Perot 2.0 that instead of running third party, got into the Republican uh, party and got their nomination, which was kind of ingenious and brilliant because a third party run, there are all sorts of obstacles. That was it. Nobody had a special flag wanted me to pledge allegiance to, it was just the American flag. Nobody was telling me that my country was inherently racist. All right. Nobody was trying to point out the differences between me and my classmates. Instead, we were trying to come together on what we had in common. But hey, that's not what drives what I think is their next presidential candidate. No, it's every sleazy, bullshit, lie, talking point. Even criminalizing women and doctors. No one's criminalized women and doctors. It's a state's rights issue. All right. And let's go back to that. OK. Florida Governor DeSantis banned most abortions after 15 weeks. That's almost four months. 16 weeks is four months. It used to be, you know, uh, abortions were rare and tragic and they had to be done within the first three months of pregnancy. Nope. In some states, they've tried to take it all the way to infanticide. Cri criminalizing doctors? I mean, their priest class was exposed in the last three years. Doctors. You know, that used to be something that had some esteem to it. Now, in, in most people that have a brain, you know, a brain, that you have critical thinking skills, they're automatically skeptical of anything their doctor says. 
And, and don't think that I'm not one of those people. I have, I hate going to the doctor. I hate going to the hospital. But I had issues during this thing. And I'm telling you straight up right now, the people who were the most sane, all right, and helped me the most with my issues and listened to me the most were the people that weren't wearing the masks anymore. The doctors that realized there was something going on. In fact, you know, I've talked about my vertigo from last year and how I had to literally see five separate doctors before anyone even listened to me about what I had and what I had self-diagnosed myself with in the first 48 hours after a day of it. Because, you know, I, I do something crazy. is I, I, I do my own research. I can read on a fourth grade level. I can look up my symptoms and I can see what the possibilities are. And I had several doctors tell me not to do that. And guess what? They fucking sucked. They didn't do anything to help me. Instead, they cost me a lot of money and then put me to other people that cost me a lot of money that did nothing for me. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Let me take you on my journey really quick. I have a massive vertigo episode, which I've never felt in my entire life, where I turned my head, the entire room started spinning, my equilibrium was, was off, and, and I could see my eye, my right eye, shaking up and down when I looked into the mirror on the side while I was there. Scared the shit out of me, all right? Especially because I had, had some vision issues, um, around that time. And then on top of that, my left hand out of nowhere became super weak that I couldn't even take my finger and press the button in. Think about that. Just, just, I couldn't do a button press on the side of my cell phone. I was scared shitless. I didn't know what happened. I was hoping I, I didn't have a heart issue or I hadn't stroked out or had a tumor, anything. But Again, within 48 hours, I looked it up and said, all right, well, maybe I knocked this crystal out of my ear. BP, BPPV seems like this is what I'm suffering from. So I go to the clinic. I tell them that. Nope. Not, nope. I just, just no one, just, no one takes me seriously. Let's send you to an eye doctor. So the second one, I go to the eye doctor. I try to start explaining. All right. And I, I mentioned the BPPV and I also mentioned my teeth that I have massive issues with my teeth. At the time I had an abscess, you know, um, I had one tooth that had literally, this one here, pretty much rotted out of my head, it was gone, and, and a ton of work needed to be done. I said, listen, I might have an infection that's gone up through there. Oh, well, you do have some cavities, but no, we don't think that. And we know we don't think BPPP. So let's send you, what? To go get an MRI, not cheap. Not cheap, but before that, to send me to an MRI, what? I had to get a primary. So I sign up to the primary. This is going to be Dr. 3, but I see Dr. 4 and 5 first, and then come back to 3. And when I say 4 and 5, the ones that set me up for the MRI and listen to me. One of the scariest experiences I've ever had, by the way. Ever. Like if you've ever had one, it's like you're listening to like backtracks of nine inch nail drum beats as you sit there and stare up in this little closed encircling. 
So I walk in finally to this, uh, the third doctor that I hadn't seen that I had to sign up for. And I tell this person, you know, what's going on. The first thing, thank God, they tell me is that I don't have cancer. But then they think I have some kind of a granuloma that is so rare that I may have to uh, have brain surgery. Well, that's frightening. So they're scaring the shit out of me. I bring up BPBV again to that doctor. That's now my primary. Nothing. Ignored. So she wants me to send me to another specialist, all right, another specialist. And I'm like, all right, I'll go to the other specialist. And they wanted them to look at my uh, my scans. And they saw it, and they weren't sure whether it was really a granuloma. They didn't think it was cancer. I finally bring up the BPPV thing with her. With her. Now, this is the woman that... When I walk into her office and I don't have the mask on, she's like, it's okay. I'm like, oh, God, maybe I'm talking to somebody that has a brain. All right. Then she kind of has a sense of humor, laughs at a couple of my jokes. I'm like, all right, I can relate to this person. Then the shots come up and she talks about how some of her patients had, especially the elderly ones, had terrible reactions to the shots. I'm like, all right, maybe this person's going to listen to me. This person listened to me, sent me to physical therapy, knocked out my BPV in one session in 20 minutes. Took three plus weeks. And then I went to another doctor, went back to the eye doctor, and they sent me to uh, Iowa State University where I got a CAT scan. You know, and they told me that I didn't even have the granuloma. And that it was just liquid and it would go away. It's probably from infections going into my face and up through here. Like, you know, I, I get a lot of mucus. You don't see it much on the show every once in a while. I, I hit that and I blow my nose. I go off the screen, right? But I literally have mucus come out my eyeballs because there, there's nothing there. Apparently, there, it, it's been eroded. People are like, oh, you like the nose candy, Jason? No, never liked it. It's not what that was. But... Again, the idea that these people are impressive or know more than you, it's a joke at this point. It's a joke. But again, this guy can just say, they're criminalizing doctors and women. Doctors, I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Freedom from hate. Yeah, because I see so many people going up to mixed race families and hating them, like uh, like the black and the Asian woman. Oh, oh yeah, we, we hate those. What fucking planet is this guy on? It's the guy that banned you from going to the beach. Talk about freedom. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. There's an even more extended version of that, and it, it, it's pretty damn grotesque. I think that that is going to do it for the premium portion of the broadcast. I want to thank everybody out there uh, that has signed up for premium. Remember, without you, uh, I would not be able to do this. So I want to thank you guys. I want you to share the links, watch the documentaries. And remember, it is not about left or right. It's always about right and wrong. I love you guys, and I will see you again tomorrow morning.